0: to Grades Don't Matter, a show about how group work, sacrifice, and case studies showed us that asking better questions matters in business and in life. I'm your host, Emily Halliwell and today we're really excited to have Mike Fielding as our guest today. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thank you very much, Emily.
0: It's fun to talk to you. It's been a little bit since we've been in class together.
1: It has been, yes.
0: Yeah. So, Mike is also a graduate of the 2017 Executive MBA class at BYU. He's a sales executive with with lots of experience in the oil and gas industry and also some background in engineering. Um, So, Mike, today we want to talk a little bit about how you got to where you are, you know, some of the steps along the way in your career, and also, of course, how the MBA program fit into all that. Great. So, from what I can tell, you started off your career in engineering, Tell me a little bit about that. How did you get into that field?
1: You know, I did. I graduated with an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. Um, After my mission, my dad was uh, in a technical field and thought that may be a good choice for a career. So, you know, being young and a little wet behind the ears, not knowing what else to do, I just jumped right into an engineering field and... Turned out to be good. I, I really enjoyed uh, doing engineering work. I did that for about the first maybe 10 years of my career. I actually worked as a controls engineer, so enjoyed that
0: work. That's great. That's really, it sounds really fascinating. Um, but then you made a little bit of a pivot, it seems, and I don't know enough about engineering and sales to kind of understand all of that, but you switched into more of a sales role. What was that transition like?
1: I did, and you call it a little pivot, I would call it a fairly big pivot. <laughs> uh, in, in the engineering world, they would call it going to the dark side when you go from engineering ah. to sales. It's it's a, it's a fairly big leap when you've been doing technical work and then uh, change that to technical sales. But for my personality and for my career, it truly was the best thing I could have done at the time. And as I look back, it was probably the biggest thing that I've done in my career. Uh, as far as advancing it, I've been able to add so much more value on the sales side of the fence than I ever could on the engineering side of the fence. So it's, it's been a really good change for me. And that was quite a while ago. I mean, that was probably 17, 18 years ago. So it's been a while since I've been in sales.
0: What about your engineering background helped you when you transitioned over to sales, even though they, like you said, they're very different areas, but did it help in any way?
1: That's a great question. You know, it really did because everything I've done in sales so far in my career has been more of a quote unquote technical sales basis. So I started out basically selling the stuff I had been programming before. So before I was a controls engineer programming factory automation equipment. Uh, When I changed to sales, I was actually selling that equipment. So to actually have done it, use the equipment made a really big difference in my career because I could talk to engineers and quite frankly management at any industrial company about how it works, why it works and why it would be advantageous for them to use that type of equipment so it it really was good to have that technical background because I can relate to everybody from plant people on the plant floor to engineers to upper management.
0: yeah, I could see how that 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 background and understanding of how how things were developed and the product really works, would really understand when you're talking about selling it. Absolutely. Um, So then you get to a point in your career and you decide, hey, I think I'm going to go back to school. How did you come to that decision and why did you decide on an MBA?
1: Yeah, kind of a crazy thing. Uh, I'd risen through the ranks of sales, uh, moved up to a director of sales, and then a VP of sales. I was on an executive team and we talked a lot of finance stuff and having a background in electrical engineering and then sales i had been around accounting and finance but i had not done any deep dives into it and so at some point i came to the conclusion that i needed more even though at that point i was more than 50 years old which is fairly old to go back and get a uh, another degree, but I felt I needed it for my career to advance it further. So that's really the big reason. And I knew there was some holes there uh, on that finance and accounting side that uh, an MBA could fill.
0: And so what made you decide on BYU then?
1: You know, I had a, uh, a work made at that point that was uh, partway through the program. He was just finishing it off and had a lot of good things to say at BYU. I'd attended BYU Uh, with undergraduate degree. And I came to the conclusion after looking at several other MBAs, I was down in Texas at that time. And so I was looking at Rice, University of Texas, A&M, even up here at University of Utah, and just came to the conclusion I'd rather do more of a faith-based MBA that had more of the religious connotation with it, where I could get not only you know, the secular education, but also the the religious education on top of it.
0: So like you mentioned, you were in Texas, and at least during the first year of the program, you were one of several members of our class who commuted to school, actually. What was that like for you?
1: That was a crazy thing. Every two weeks, I'd get on an airplane from Houston, Texas, and fly up here for the weekend to do school and turn around and fly back down for another couple of weeks of work. Um, yeah there was another person uh, that I flew up with from Houston and like you say we had many classmates come in from uh, several areas of the country so it was a unique uh, way to attend school for that first year for sure
0: but your wife is based out of Salt Lake
1: she is and that was kind of an interesting year to be down there I just had a uh, a small one-bedroom apartment I would be down there all alone she was up here in our house all alone Uh, the intent was uh, to be down there for probably two, maybe two and a half years, and then be able to come back to Salt Lake. We didn't think it was worth having her come down. And at that point, and still, her mom is uh, quite ill and suffering from Alzheimer's. So she kind of had to stay around here in Utah, take care of her mom, and I did what I had to do with the job and and commute.
0: Yeah. So in some ways, it sounds like the going with the program based in Salt Lake was good because you probably got to see your wife a little bit more than you maybe would have otherwise.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you noticed that because that would have been tough. If I was at Rice or one of the other Texas universities, I would have been down there permanently. So it was nice to kind of have a respite and come up here and be able to see her every couple of weeks. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I don't know that many people would describe class weekends as a respite, but I see your point there. (laughs)
1: For me, it kind of was. That's a strange way to look at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but then about halfway through the program or so, if I'm remembering correctly, you suddenly found yourself needing to look for a new job. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. You know, it's really strange to go from an executive at a company uh, to not having a job, but that's kind of how the oil and gas industry works. That's where I was at. Uh, you know knee-deep or further in the oil and gas industry that's the only product we sold was into that industry and as that industry went south in a big way there was a lot of companies that went under and several had to cut back just to survive and that was us we cut way way back uh, to survive I was one of out of the six executives at the company there was five of us uh, that got let go so there was only one that survived and then about half the rest of the people at the company we're gone so until the oil, oil and gas industry starts to come back a little bit that that company's going to struggle unfortunately
0: yeah was it a surprise to you did you kind of sense something might be changing you know in
1: the end when when you actually get that phone call it is a surprise but uh, i could sense that something was was coming to your point you know you can kind of feel when things are changing within a company so I could kind of tell, but even then, when you get a call like that, it's it's still a surprise.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it is. After this happened, after you got laid off, how did you view your MBA experience? You were about halfway through. You still had a year left. Did it change your perspective on the MBA in any way?
1: You know, it did. It, it really added some value to it because if I had that, uh, if I had been laid off uh, with just a technical degree, an engineering degree, and then a whole bunch of years of sales, uh, I think it would have been really difficult to find a job. And what I'm finding, Emily, quite frankly, is even with that MBA at my age, it's, it's really been a struggle to my surprise.
0: So tell me a little bit about your job search. What have, what have you been seeing? You know, what could you tell us about the industries that you're looking in? What have you learned in this experience?
1: It has been a learning experience Uh, and I don't know if it's a good learning experience or a bad one, what I'm learning. But, uh, like I say, I was about 52 ish 53 when I got laid off and coming from the oil and gas industry, I couldn't really go back in that industry because it's really a struggle right now until uh, oil gets back up to a higher price. So I'm trying to transition to some other industry. And when you do that late in your career, One of the things I've learned is it really is a struggle. As I've interviewed and had the opportunity to speak with companies for lower level jobs, you know, more entry level or three, four, five years into into the career, uh, I I have a hard time making progress. And those interviews that I do make progress on, I've made it to the end of three, four, five of those only to uh, be rejected for having too much experience and having them tell me that I'd most likely be bored and leave within a few years. You know they'll tell me I'm I'm by far the most qualified candidate but they can't hire me. So the lower level jobs I'm struggling getting into, the higher level jobs as you transition to another industry, whether that's software as a service, medical device sales, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. All of those require 5, 10, 15 years if you're looking for the higher level jobs of experience in that particular industry, which, of course, I don't have uh, coming from the oil and gas industry. So you're kind of in this donut hole, if you will, where you can't get the higher level or the lower level job. So that's the biggest thing I've learned, Emily, that's really been a challenge and, quite frankly, a surprise.
0: Yeah, that sounds like such a tough position because, you know, I know you. We've worked in group projects together. Like You're very talented and have a lot of skills and ability, but you're in this like sort of unicorn space where it doesn't quite fit in any option.
1: Absolutely. And that's such a strange position to be in, to know that I have so much to add to a company but are not even given the chance.
0: Yeah. When you're out there looking for jobs and when you're talking to people, now that you've kind of realized this, you know, realized the position that you're in, does it change how you look at all of this?
1: Uh, you know, it changes how I look at it but uh, i don't know that it changes how i go about it you know i'm still applying to higher level jobs i'm still looking for lower level jobs i'm still looking for those medium level jobs you know i'm doing everything i can to look for a you know a position that will apply to me i know there's one out there somebody will will allow me to get in and add some value to their company but it it sure is a struggle right now
0: yeah yeah no and i i mean just in my own job searching i can just can't even really imagine how a really a long-term job search, how that changes. So one thing that I've noticed and, you know, our interactions in the last couple months and such that you're always very positive and I'm sure you have low moments and hard moments where this is really gets to be a drag, but how do you keep, keep your spirits up with this long-term job search that you're in?
1: Yeah. You know, there are times when it is a little frustrating, but I think for the most part, uh, I have been able to keep a positive attitude. I just... Emily, I know my capabilities and I know what I can add to a company. If I didn't think there was value there, uh, I may be a little bit more depressed at times. But I know what I can add. So I know that as I get face time with these companies and if I can just get a get an opportunity, I know I can add value. And I think that, that really helps my attitude.
0: That's great. That's a great lesson um, and good perspective to have. So... What advice would you give to someone who is thinking about an MBA and maybe specifically a BYU MBA?
1: Well, I would tell them absolutely do it. If you have the uh, time, and even if you don't have the time, I would make the time. That was one of the best career decisions that I've made. Just as far as an education goes, it was fantastic. To be able to meet and rub shoulders with the professors was fantastic. And then the best part was just to come out of it with uh, 69 other brothers and sisters that I know I can rely on. Uh, through this job search, there's been several that have helped me you know, get interviews and I'm so grateful for them. And I know there's more that uh, will help in the future. So I think that's the biggest thing that you gain is such a great network of many other people as you go through the MBA program.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, was there a pivotal moment or a key learning or a lesson or something um, from the MBA program that you that's really stuck with you and you've kind of gone back and revisited since then?
1: You know, I don't know that there was an aha moment, but there was several moments as I went through not only the accounting classes and the finance classes with Colby. I just really enjoyed those classes and just ate that stuff up. So as I look back on my career, I think... Uh, you know, what it would have been if I would have at least started out that way. Almost have regrets after going through this program that I didn't start out in some, some type of finance or accounting because that fit me so well. When I started out my career, like I mentioned earlier, it was just myself and my dad talking about where do you want to go? And you don't really know when you're starting your career what you're good at or what you would like to do but as I went through those classes in the MBA they really seemed to fit and with my industry experience and my sales experience uh, it was just kind of an aha moment that that's what I really really enjoyed doing so that was it was fun really enjoyed those classes
0: I think that's a great uh, I think that's a great experience because it's a good reminder that just because you learn something when you're 15 or 25 or 35, you know, you can still, there's a lot more to learn and more to learn about yourself. And that's really great.
1: Absolutely. I think that's life in general. I mean, as you get older, I think we all need to stay engaged. And the more we learn, uh, the more valuable we more valuable we become. But I think it, it just also helps our attitude in life, helps us stay engaged.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you mentioned one of the reasons why you wanted to go to BYU is you felt like it might give you a little bit more holistic um learnings or experience how has the MBA so we've and we talked about that a lot on the program you know making sure it helps your career but also your personal life how how has the MBA so far helped you in your personal life
1: fantastic question uh, it really has I mean there was there were so many moments during the MBA that you go from you know almost crying I I cried a lot during that program, you know, with with some of the professors and what they would talk about. So you'd go from crying one second to laughing another second, Uh, just some deep life learning that we had, you know, going through the book, How Will You Measure Your Life Towards the End, was another life changing moment to see what are you going to do with the rest of your career, benefit others instead of just benefiting yourself. So it's those type of learnings uh, that were really beneficial to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that Clayton Christensen's book, like you mentioned, it's a great, that's a really good one for a lot of life lessons in there. Really good, yeah. Uh, so I want to pivot just a little bit for a second. Um, one other thing that I think is really impressive with you is that you've spent a lot of time throughout your life um, traveling with your family. Um, and I believe you have, your you're in a Um, You have a goal right now to get to the Seven Wonders of the World, and you're almost done, right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, we actually do. We, uh, as a family, will be hitting number six this summer, and my wife and I, this will be number seven. We'll have hit all of them, but I've got to get my family to all seven, so six is the official. Okay, so six,
0: where are you going this year?
1: Uh, This year, we're actually going to Petra, which you know very well, Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm anxious to get there.
0: Yeah, you'll love it. It's so great. And yeah. what's the one that your kids haven't been to yet?
1: The, ones the, kid, the one the kids haven't been to is uh, the Christus in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, yeah. I've been down there a couple times and I took my wife on one trip. So we've actually been there, but the kids haven't. So we'll hopefully do that next summer.
0: That's really cool. How do you think, I mean, all families have traditions. How do you think this tradition of traveling together and lots of international trips, how has that impacted your family?
1: You know they're they're so much more well rounded. They understand the world better, uh, having been in many cultures. That's the biggest thing I wanted them to get out of it. But selfishly, I also hope that they would also, you know, gain a love for traveling. And it's interesting. Uh, my daughter got married here just within the past about a year and a half ago, and uh, the they came with us as a couple to our last trip, which was to uh, China to see the Great Wall. And uh, her husband was not much of a traveler growing up. And that kind of changed his mind. My daughter is al- already a traveler and, and really loves it. But uh, it's interesting here in the past week, uh, they're currently planning a trip to Washington, D.C. So to pass on that love of travel and to see them actually enjoy it and start picking up tra- that tradition, very gratifying to me as a father.
0: That's cool. And that's great that you have that opportunity to do that, too. Yeah. Um, So... at the end of the MBA program, we went on a trip, you know, I, my trip was to India and we also went to Jordan and saw Petra and you went to Asia. Yes. Um, what was that like? What was a, do you have like a memory or a takeaway from that experience?
1: You know, it's just such a great experience to be there with uh, people you love and have spent the last two years with. Uh, we just had a great time. I don't know that I could pick it. Well, let me, let me pick out one memory now that you ask. Uh, We were in the Philippines, and it was something that wasn't even planned, uh, this event. We were planning to go to a garbage dump, which was kind of a business visit, and visit uh, a business that had received a micro loan. And this was a, a lady that was just off a big garbage dump. She had people that would go up on the garbage dump and collect trash and bring it in, and she would be able to sell certain items. And Colby planned it,
0: Colby Wright is a finance professor.
1: professor, Yeah, finance professor that was over that trip uh, planned it that we would go talk to her. So we got off a bus and had to walk about ten or fifteen blocks through a neighborhood to get to this lady. And as we did, it was it was an unbelievable experience to go through just you know poverty that you can't even describe, but be able to interact and. You know, we couldn't speak the language, but just um, the language we spoke was with smiles and happiness, and you know, things of that nature. As we as we interfaced with the children, to see how happy they were was was really life changing in that type of poverty.
0: Gosh, what a that's a life changing experience there. It was. Yeah, that's great. So the name of this podcast is Grades Don't Matter, and that comes from the very first week of school in our um, accounting class. Our accounting professor, Dr. Stice, Stice, told us, I've seen this, so to set it up for our listeners, um, we were all freaked out, it's the first week of the MBA program, we don't know what this is going to do to our lives, and our accounting professor, Dr. Stice, says, I've seen this before. I know how this ends and your grades don't matter. What matters is the learning. So now we're about two and a half years away from that first week of class. And, you know, what Dr. Seiss was telling us um, and reminding us that it's not your score that matters, but it's really what you learn and what you take away from the experience. How do you look back on that? Like, what do you think about that now? How is that? How do you take that into your life now?
1: you know that was such wise advice at the time and when you're just a young student you don't really understand what he's trying to tell you but uh, as you look back at it like you say two and a half years later he is absolutely correct it really wasn't the grades it was being able to interact with your classmates it was a you know being able to um, dive in and learn as much as you can during your two years there in the end you know we were going to graduate and everybody was going to be fine but it was the relationships, it was some of that deep learning, it was rubbing shoulders with the professors. Those are the things that really mattered and the things that I'll look back on with fondness on my education.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a great way of saying it. Um, well, Mike, this has been such a pleasure to chat with you today. Likewise,
1: Emily. I really appreciate it. It's been fun.
0: Thank you. Today we've been sharing experiences with Mike Fielding, a sales executive with experience in oil and gas and engineering who's currently looking for his next opportunity, and you should definitely hire him because it would definitely be good for you. Um, he's also a graduate of the 2017 Executive MBA class at BYU. We talked about getting to BYU, what he's been doing since then, and this is Grades Don't Matter, a show about how two years of hard work and what it means for the rest of our lives. I'm Emily Hartwell. Thanks for listening.